All right, welcome back to another episode of Profusion, the Profusion Podcast. Today we've got Li- Live in Ditchburn here. Live in Ditchburn. Welcome, Live in. <sighs> Easily the best attempt at an Australian accent I've ever heard in my entire life. Easily, easily the best attempt at an Australian accent in my <laughs> yeah. entire life. In my entire life. <laughs> could I could I live there? Would I be would I be okay there? That's a that's a loaded question given a few political challenges in the world. But all those aside, Americans are really well received in Australia and New Zealand. I'm actually half New Zealand, but my accent is indicative of a uh, a refined Australian. Because if I sound like a real Aussie, I'd probably talk like a bloody bogan, and I'd be drinking forex and swearing and spitting and beating up my missus wearing a tank top. <laughs> A, ki- a kiwi, a kiwi. Ah, my 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 mother is from New Zealand, where I spent my formative years, first half of my life, really twenty years, and moved to Australia and to Melbourne, Australia, when I was uh, 20, 21, and left there in uh, two thousand twenty one. So equal parts of my life in both countries. So I sound a little bit different compared to your typical Australian or your typical New Zealander. Where is the where 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 is I can't I can't do. It. Where is the be- world's best courage coach right now? We, uh, my wife and I are in Medellin in Colombia. Medellin. Oh, wow. I've heard good things about Medellin. Spectacular place. Uh, a real accidental find. And uh, we, we won't be here forever, but it'll be one of those places that I would love to buy a property and have it as a, as a place to go. Incredible people. The uh, the environment super green and lush. It's uh, it was it was where Pablo Escobar was based back in the eighties and nineties and was vote, voted the most dangerous city in the world. And the suburb that I live in, which is called Laurelles, was voted the coolest suburb in the world for twenty twenty three. So um, and that was before I got here. So it wasn't my it wasn't my doing. <laughs> you were attracted to it. Well, <laughs> you, you helped mag. I don't know. You helped magnify it, maybe. We, we ended up here because my wife's visa was rejected to stay in the United States. We were in Tampa, Florida last year. Oh. And, and my wife's Russian. She's an Australian citizen and a Russian citizen. And we found out that they rejected it because of her Russian uh, heritage. So, you know, we just took that as a sign from the universe that we were needed elsewhere and ended up in Medellin. We've been here four months. So we love it. And that's a quick flight from Miami, right? I think it's maybe two hours, if, if that. Yeah. I've heard good things. I heard uh, it's beautiful scenery, uh, great food. I've heard amazing things about Medellin. Yeah, Colombian people are special, uh, really, particularly in in Medellin. So if you go to Bogota, they're a bit more cold. Medellin's got about 5 million people and uh, really haven't encountered any any issues at all. It's not the dangerous place. Unless you're a reckless drug abuser, you know, proliferating the sex trade, you're way more likely to end up on the wrong side of something. But if you're clean living like I am for the most part, you dodge most of those bullets. Right. You said clean. So, so I'm not, I haven't completely finished your book yet. Bet on you, but I don't know. How did anybody let you publish this? (laughs) (laughs) Self-publishing. I'm reading this book. I'm like, this guy is just a troublemaker. And he wrote it all down 
And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I haven't laughed at a book in a long time, probably five years. So I'm like, this is hilarious. And then you do your the lessons at the end. So I'm like, all right, good. There's a lesson, a couple, there's no lessons, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, the, the only back book I laughed at prior to this, and this is a compliment was living with a seal by Jesse Itzler. Have you read that book? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Now I laughed. I did laugh. I did laugh a lot more than that one. Nothing personal, but I have not laughed since then while reading a book, like for real. So I, I can't believe uh, somebody put these, this information, no book. So it's, I think it's hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. Well, I don't know what to say, Andrew. I, I really appreciate that a lot. You know, when you, when you write a book, if you're doing it for the right reasons, which whatever that is for you, but for me it was to share publicly my vulnerabilities so that no one could ever hold them against me. As in, if I ever decided to run for politics, they could say, hey, well, Laban did this and he did that. I'd be like, yeah, it's all in the book already. And right. But also to, to, be, to break down a barrier of shame around allowing other people to feel a bit more normal about the, the shenanigans that they'd gotten up to. So, like, hopefully, I don't know what your background is, but if you've gone through any anything that correlates with what I share in the book, and it's all true, it's all verifiable, it, if you read something and you don't feel quite so alone, then that was really one of the major goals for it. So, you know, when you go through whatever I've gone through and have had some success on the other side of it, the universe kind of taps you on the shoulder at some point and says, now is the time for you to give back and to share this powerfully. And, and if you put everything in it, then it gives context and context is a hell of a drug. So I, I find I find I have had crazy similar stories, right? Myself. The only thing is I could not sit down and write them. You know what? How did you do that part? How did you how were you actually able to to you know give the, the patience and time to do that? I mean, the the amount of detail is impressive too, because usually people like to, you know, they don't I guess I guess people would tell these stories and they won't believe it. You know what I mean? Be, uh, but I do because I, I've had stories like this and I know people that have stories like this. So I do believe the stories, but I can't remember my question. How did I, how did I write it? I think it was, your question. yeah. How did you get the patience to write it all down? Basically, if this is the type of personality you are normally you won't have the patience to write it down. You know what I mean? The two don't normally correlate. I'll, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. And you, you, you and your audience can use this technique to get it done yourself because it's an absolute divine download in, in the most magical way possible. And how it came about was after being a fan of his work for many years and his work getting me out of some very dark periods of my life, I landed on the eighth episode of my own podcast series called Become Your Own Superhero, uh, Les Brown. Now, for those, for those who don't know Les Brown, he's regarded as one of the greatest speakers of our generation, transformational speakers. And he's in his late 70s now. Uh, he was married to Gladys Knight. You know, like he, he's lived an incredible life. And 
you know, get on YouTube after this and just punch Les Brown into the browser and you'll, you'll, you'll have a phenomenal day. But right. I, I invited him onto the podcast when I had 10 subscribers, Andrew. And, and this is when I was back in Melbourne. This is in uh, early, like mid-May 2020. So we're in the middle of the lockdowns. Melbourne, Australia was the most lockdown city in the world before China. And it, we, we had curfews. We weren't allowed to do anything. And I had, my job was made redundant, uh, you know, after an attempt to be an entrepreneur in 2019. I took a job, you know, with my hat in my hand. That was made redundant five weeks after I started because COVID kicked in. So I was like, I need a way to get my voice out to the world. So I created the podcast, invited Les on, and he came on. And, and I have this footage as a raw Zoom recording. Before we even got into the podcast, Andrew, I said to him, Les, what do you think of the name of the podcast, Become Your Own Superhero? And if you've heard Les Brown speak, you'll know just how eloquent and brilliant he is. And, and his response was so humbling to me that I just felt so safe in his presence and I just verbally diarrheaed my story of transformation mm. to him. And, and my story was overcoming drink and drugs and gambling and autoimmune disease and philandering and limiting beliefs and negative self-talk and, and you know, shifting 60 pounds of body weight and blah, blah, blah. And, and he just listened to me and let me finish. And he said, congratulations, Laban. I said, thanks, Les. He goes, do you have a book? Now, I had never, I didn't even finish high school. I never went to college. I'd written, never written anything. And I said, no, I don't. He said, Laban, if you're going to be a speaker, you need a book to help with your credibility. I said, right. He said, who was the most influential person in your life when you were five years of age? And I was completely sideswiped by this, Andrew. I'd never heard this question before. And I was like, thought about it for a few minutes. And I was like, it's my mum, who I had a very, very dysfunctional relationship with at the time. He said, well, what attributes did you get from your mother? And I was like, man, she was like loving and unconditional and spiritual and he's writing all these things down Andrew, and he looks up to me when i finish speaking and he says laban this is a god moment he said i'm going to show you how to monetize your purpose i swear to god for the next 10 minutes he reads back to me the blueprint for this book he wants me to write called bet on you because i was a pathological gambler he said laban you're going to write the book you're going to turn the book into a keynote you're going to turn the keynote into a three-day retreat. And even if you stuff this up, you're going to make six figures in the next 12 months. And I'm going to interview you on my social media platform that had four and a half million followers. And Laban, I'm going to write the forward to your book. Now, in a moment of complete and utter insanity, I said, Les, so this is like May 14th, 2020. I said, Les, if you're going to write the forward to my book, I'll have it to you by June 30. Nice. And I, I don't know where that came from. I can only assume, like I said, divine download. And I gave myself this deadline, never having written anything. And in six weeks, I pumped out 33,000 words of the first draft and delivered it to Les's inbox as promised and completely changed my life in the process. And Les, it took a little bit longer to get the book out, you know, COVID and, and just just like there was a few things going on we got it out at the end of 2021 and Les followed through wrote the most extraordinary foreword that I've ever seen let alone been on the receiving end and you know to this day him and I have become good friends and my wife and I had dinner at his home in Atlanta at the end of 2022 
and, and one of the most surreal moments of my life. So, you know, that's that's the honest truth about how the book came about. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the name is great. It's, it's almost like another way of saying, be the best version of yourself, right? So, you know, it's rephrasing a brilliant phrase. And uh, so I do, I, I, you mentioned pathological gambler, addictions. So I, 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 I have, I've done 89, I think 90 episodes. I haven't talked about that at all. But, uh, and I know you, you go through that a lot and that's where a lot of these stories come from. And uh, so do, are you sober? Are you sober now? I haven't had a drink. It'll be eight years in this August 26th, 2024, whenever you're listening or watching this. And, yeah. it, and it's also my wife's birthday. And we, oh, met, yeah. we met five years ago. So it's like it's an extra special um, celebration. Um, in full, full transparency, and I always like to make a point of this, uh, Andrew, I do utilize uh, plant medicine on occasion in the form of psilocybin and uh, CBD. Not right. a lot, but it, but I, I do it and I don't, because it's very important transparency and, and uh, I want to give people the whole picture. Yeah, you're, you're honest. So what yeah. is the reason that you do that? What does that do for you? So like, when I talk about psilocybin, I've probably done it four times what is that i've never even heard so mushrooms magic mushrooms street name but it's been it's been done in a ceremony style so it's not it's not typically used as a recreational drug anymore so the relationship that i have with recreational drugs doesn't it no longer exists in that fashion and you know my wife and i i don't know if you know much of my backstory um with anna and i which never made it into the book because the book kind of concludes when her and I meet in 2018. But we've had and have just had our 20th miscarriage in a row. Oh, my God. And and uh, that was the result of some systemic childhood sexual abuse that my, my wife encountered growing up in Russia from a stepfather and two uh, pregnancies and two illegal abortions from the abuse, and one of which damaged the uh, reproductive system. Now, the reason I tell you that, I'm not saying sharing that for sympathy, is that it provides very important context. So Anna and I have done and tried just about every modality to try and make this baby, some of which included doing, like clearing intergenerational trauma and and, uh, inner child work and um, medical grade MDMA and psilocybin in, in an attempt to try and help include another modality to make this baby. Well, the byproduct for me doing that was incredible breakthroughs in forgiveness and rewiring of neurons that have made me able to be more calm and, and more accepting. And, you know, I did a lot of damage to my body, abusing it with drugs and alcohol and porn and gambling and everything else in between. This, this, there's a lot of value depending on what your situation is in exploring all kinds of uh, plant medicine based um, scenarios and you know medical grade MDMA ketamine therapy a lot of these are being used for a lot of the military vets who are you're suffering PTSD well I, you know I didn't see any action but I have had PTSD from 
some of the things that I did to myself or have been on the receiving end of. And I, and I share that from a place of strength, but you know, I was just watching an interview the other day, Sean, um, I think his name's Sean Ryan. He's got a big YouTube channel. He's a former Navy SEAL. Right. And he was interviewing a guy talking about doing Ibogaine, which is very popular for some people to do it and then have lose any addict, any addictive personality trait at all. And uh, so I'm, I'm very open-minded. I don't, I'm not looking at drugs in, in the same way. I'm looking at them as more like natural therapies and, and so using. How, how, how often are you, are you doing those? So I hurt my back doing a very heavy leg press uh, when I was in Tampa last year, like, like couldn't get out of bed. So rather than take Tylenol for two weeks, I took um, CBD or Delta Rate, Delta 9. So there's a few different things you could take instead of the pharmaceutical version. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result, it achieved the same pain relief minus the damage to the gut and all the other crap that's in there. So I take them as needed. I take so them as are, needed. Do you think you're take, oh, you take them as needed for the pain. You're not taking them for other reasons. So, the, so psilocybin, if you, haven't, if, no, if you haven't done it before, it's quite hard to explain, but... It done in the right environment with the right uh, meditative state and music is an incredible healing, can be a very incredible healing modality. You, you would have heard countless people do um, uh, ayahuasca, for example. Right. Have you done yeah. that before? I haven't done ayahuasca. And they, they talk about ayahuasca as one of those things that calls you to it. I, I haven't been called to it yet. But I have been called a couple of times to do these psilocybin journeys. And every time I've done them, they've given me a lot of clarity and, and ideas and inspiration on, you know, the next step. My, my relationship with addiction through my journey, as I detail in the book, is I, I, lost, I lost any interest in the escapism component of what made me blow all of my rent money, what made me drink until I couldn't drink anymore. What made, what made me put as much cocaine up my nose as I possibly could, you know? So I don't have any cravings or miss things like recreational drugs or drinking. And uh, that's, a, that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience, particularly if they rely on 12 step or, you know, some of these programs, which I have no problem with. But for me, it was a lot easier not to have to worry about even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. So, I, I, I was in uh, treatment and a lot of these people that I went with died. They're dead because of, well, they, they relapse and they do drugs and they mix them incorrectly or they do too much or they drink too much. It's just, I, were you in treatment ever? No, no, I, I was able to reverse engineer my reason for escapism. And what I mean by that is I, you know, to this date, roughly, Andrew, I think I've read more than 700 books in the last six and a half years, seven years. That's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. After reading one a year, I wasn't a big reader beforehand. But right. it, when you read that much, and a lot of that's had to do with the guests that I've had on my own show. Out of respect, I like to read their books. And, you know, I greatly appreciate the fact that you've gotten through most of mine. Um, it means a big deal to an author. But, um I, I got to a point of understanding where I could see the behavior that I was exhibiting and how to make adjustments on it. So I'm not saying I've, I've got it all solved and all figured out, but for the meantime, 
despite what what my wife and I have gone through, I've never once gone and hit the bottle and or put a you know bag of cocaine up my nose or whatever. Like, I, I, no interest, no interest. But you've re, you you it sounds like you re, redirected your addiction, right? So you're an addiction, you're an addict. I'm an addict, right? I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, unfortunately, and I had to stop. Um, and and I, I redirected it towards other items, right? It's, you know, coffee is an addiction too, in my opinion. Um, working out is, is an addiction. You know what I mean? Reading is, at least they're positive addictions. They're somewhat healthier addictions than unhealthier addictions. I, um, but, uh, so yeah. Um, well, just, just on that, Andrew, just on that, just, you know, in the interest of being totally 100% transparent, like Anna and I had to flee the lockdowns of Australia because of the medical mandates, right? With whatever your opinion on that is, we did it on no money all the while managing these miscarriages. And that that scenario of that, that accumulation of stress would be enough to break anybody. The worst I've done is binge eaten ice cream. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And but even that for me is the next thing that I'm working on. And thank God my wife is a powerful hypnotherapist who has all the skills and the resources. You might be wondering, well, if she's so bloody good, Laban, why hasn't she done it yet? She's waiting for me to ask for the help, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know that that's we've had a, a couple of sessions already because I don't I'm not physically looking and representing myself in the manner that I want to, and some people might say just go easy on yourself, Laban. Uh, you know you've overcome all this other stuff. Well, I have very high standards for myself, like Jesse Itzler, and you know you talk about. Talk about David Goggins. He's the guy that got me running ultra marathons. But right. like, it's out of integrity. And, and this is one of the things that's really important to me, Andrew, is that like, there's so many incredible influential people out there and I've come to meet some of them and a few of them are living completely out of alignment. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want, like, there's no need. There's no I, need I want you to have these pec, pec muscles, baby. <laughs> Come on, in one year. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting back into it. It was uh, it was challenging to run when we were, we lived in India for three months last year. There is nowhere to run where we lived. You're like a nomad, huh? So, have you had success with your wife and her and her pregnancy, or have you had anything? So, is, I don't know if you've been married. Actually, we got married uh, in 2022 in Las Vegas. We've been together five and a half years now. We haven't we haven't had any kids yet, but. The, the, the gift of adversity, as I talk about in the book, is the, the knowledge that we've acquired through this process of going through so much loss. Because I've, I've been forced to step out of my knowledge zones to find alternate therapies. And we've learned about things like dry fasting and you know getting spiritual shamans to clear away intergenerational trauma and do all these things that have made my own skill set infinitely better. So I can serve and help other people at a much higher level than, than I had if, if we'd had the baby on the first, first attempt, you know. And if the universe doesn't have it in its design for us to have this baby, you know, naturally, if it's not IVF, if it's not surrogacy, 
then I'll go and steal a child off the side of the road in Mexico and we'll have our own little little bambino. But. The human trafficking people are listening, right? <laughs> no, don't do that. But, yeah, you know, we'll probably do it the legal way. Um, don't want to ruin Preferably. Day, but You are in Medellin, so, I mean, <laughs> you called it Medellin. Medellin? Is that? So, med there's two pronunciations. If you go to Spain and you say, I'm going to fly to Barcelona, that's how it's pronounced. But if you uh, are a Westerner, you say Barcelona, but they say Barcelona. Mm. In Medellin, it's the way that the, so it's M-E-D-E-L-L-I-N. It's pronounced apparently Medellin. Yeah, I, I always thought it was Medellin. Medellin. Yin. I think you could do both. Like, most, right. yeah, there's no, there's no hard and fast. But I think people from from Medellin call it Medellin. So what's what's next for Leiben Ditchbin? So we will more than likely head back to Australia uh, later this in 2024. Uh, and is eligible for free IVF in Australia and Russia, we think. And um, I have a, a part of my family, a younger brother, and his, he's got four under eight over there that needs some help at the moment. So we'll go back there temporarily. We'll try to get another visa for the United States. But I, I'm very blessed I can work anywhere with the work that I do. So it, it doesn't matter. I can, I can see myself living in three different places in the future, uh, rather than being tied to one place. Now, that may change, obviously, but it's, you know, I've been to 35 countries, lived in seven now. I, I love what seeing other cultures and communities gives me from a knowledge point of view and from a perspective on life point of view, you know. So, Tell Americans what the rest of the world thinks about Americans. You would be amazed at the number of people that said, you're going to America. I can't believe you're going to America. Like from Australia after being held in lockdown for 290 days. What I think it is, for anyone that's, that just gets their media from the mainstream, they will typically have a very negative uh, idea of America. For those that know, like myself, my wife, and lots of other people that I spend time with, that have actually spent a lot of time in the US, they realize there's good and bad like there is everywhere else, but the opportunities that the United States provides is a thousand times better than just about every other country. And I knew that I needed to get to the United States in 2021 to help connect with the majority of the people that would be become my clients because it's just a is, you know, however many million, 360 million United people in the United States, there's 25 million in Australia and 5 million in New Zealand. Like, it's nothing. There's 5 million people in Medellin. So I, I'm a big fan of the United States. There's certain parts that I would not live. I think the country is experiencing major, major mental health crisis off the back of being poisoned with the food and the water and the air. And I think people that are normally rational human beings when they're healthy are turning into sociopaths. And I know that because that, that, was, that was me. And I'm not a sociopath when I, when I look after my body and eat well and don't abuse the hell out of it. So it's, a lot of it's not people's fault. Uh, it is their responsibility. But I'm a big fan. Yeah, America's okay. But... 
it's interesting to have a perspective. I've traveled a lot too. And I have a lot, you know, I've had addictions. I've traveled a lot. And when I traveled outside of the United States, it was always interesting to hear the perspective of Americans from outside of America and how few Americans actually travel outside of America and how, I guess, oblivious or ignorant. I'm not even sure of the word, but America is not the only place in the world, right? So I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but. <laughs> one thing I would say, one thing I would say that might help people is it's the actions of very few that are the cause of most of the major issues. And, you know, I, I won't go into details here, but as part of my own awakening, I have become privy to information that has absolutely floored me with regards to how how the world really works in certain areas and there is a small number of people that are intentionally trying to cause major issues for the rest of us and this is why that the topic of courage is so important it's because all of the negative stuff that took place during the lockdowns in australia and the over the topness of the police force and the way the government handled everything and breaking the constitution was all because people didn't have the confidence or the courage to speak up and say, actually, that's not right. And this, this is why the declaration of the world's best courage coach is not an ego statement, but it's a declaration of how I show up in the world. And I will be, I will always put myself in a position to put myself out there sometimes to, to my own detriment. And I've been, been punished for just wanting to know the truth, giving people a platform that are not appreciated by the mainstream narrative, having videos on YouTube deleted that were saved as private, even though like they're not even out there. And, and that's cost me a lot financially as well, but I, I just can't, I will not compromise. And if more people did that, I, I think the world would turn around very quickly. How does one uh, connect with Laban, Laban Ditchman? If, uh, <laughs> well, the beautiful thing about Laban Ditchman is the only combination of that, that name on planet Earth. But if you go to uh, labanditchburn.com, it has the links to all my social media and um Instagram's a place that I'm pretty active as well. Just Laban Ditchburn, one word. So. All right, get the book. Look them up. Thank you, Laban. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you, brother.